Off the Ball Daily. A home for your favourite podcasts from Off the Ball. The performance rankings, you had to be there, crappy quiz and a slight tangent. It's incredibly useful and why not do it just because you think it's agricultural. Subscribe to the Off the Ball Daily podcast feed right now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Gareth Roberts is with us. Gareth, good morning to you. Good morning, lads. Okay. How was the uh, the atmosphere at the end? Because we saw at the start it was like one of the all-time great atmospheres for loads of different reasons. And particularly after 15 minutes, it was like, wow, this is absolutely rocking. Yeah, it looked like it was going to be a, a classic European night, uh, all the way from, you know, meeting the bus and, the, you know, the all the, the smoke, the fireworks, the the cheers, the shouts and everything else when Liverpool were driving into the stadium. That really sort of set the scene. And then it really was, the the, the decibels were through the roof um, for the first, you know, 15, 20 minutes. And obviously Liverpool reciprocated with the performance on the pitch in that time as well. Um, but as you say, by the end, well, as you would imagine, extremely flat. Um, no one's seen Liverpool concede five at home in Europe before. Uh, now they have. Uh, no one's seen Liverpool take a 2-0 lead and then throw it away and lose 5-2 in Europe. And now they have... Um, and, and, you know, it's it's not just about the night, obviously. It's about how the season's gone in general. I mean, I've found some of the sort of discussion of of fans to be a little bit strange, you know, like, well, where was the atmosphere? What happened to the support and all this kind of thing? You know, Liverpool fans have watched Liverpool get beat 11 times this season, and that's difficult to take when you were close to a quadruple last season. So, you know, no matter how great of a supporter you are or how great of a fan you are, that hurts and, and that's difficult to take and that's difficult to watch. And, you know, for for the team to collapse in the manner, in the manner that it did, for it to be so flaky defensively, for it to give away daft goals to a world-class side, that is not easy to, to take and that, that is not easy to maintain, you know, the, the din that greeted the team when they first came out onto the pitch. The home form has been actually okay, largely, yeah. in, in most of the games. It, it's that away form where we'd seen that flakiness in defence against very, you know, traditionally mediocre teams, not the powerhouses. Um, but last night you were up against a, a powerhouse team playing at the peak of their powers, fresh from winning the World Club Championship. And it's like, this is what happens when there is a team full of confidence who comes in and has the technical and tactical ability that Real Madrid have. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, nine of the defeats of those 11 that I mentioned are away from home. And as you say, it hasn't been that bad at home. Um, but, you know, it's concerning um, to, to lose in that manner. Um, but, but, you know, you've got to give all the credit in the world to, to Madrid. Uh, they are world class. We saw what they did last season. They obviously went on to win it, but also not only going on to win it, but just the fashion that they kept coming back from the dead. And I think um, Jürgen Klopp said in his press conference before the game, that they're a team that, you know, no matter what, just don't seem to be flustered, don't don't flap. And, you know, there's the mistake by Courtois and, you know, he doesn't seem that bothered and neither do his teammates by that. And there just seem to be this sort of air of confidence about them, that, in, including the manager Ancelotti as well, that they get back into it, that they get chances, even that they'd win the game. Um, and that was how it unfolded. Liverpool, you know, to me, look like a side that are fraught with emotion. And sometimes that emotion can be used positively. And we saw that at the start of the game. But equally, it can turn on its head very quickly. And we saw that, at, at, you know, in the second half. The second half was terrible. Um, I don't think Liverpool have a shot on target until about the 65th minute. 
Um, and the heads went, you know, that, that third goal was an absolute killer. And they were all looking at each other, shaking their heads. I think you could hear um, Henderson have a bit of a pop at Gomez and that kind of thing. Um, and that says to me about the fragility I'm talking about, whereas, you know, Madrid are the absolute opposite of that. They've got this real nous about them. They've got this confidence about them. They're unflappable. Liverpool are very flappable. Gareth, Jurgen Klopp used the word passive quite a, quite a bit in the, the, the post-match uh, interviews and press conference, and, and certainly in midfield, Liverpool in particular were were quite passive. I don't. I feel like I'm always picking on Fabinho, and I think feel like we always are picking on Fabinho at the moment. But he was really, really poor last night. Was he not good in the first twenty minutes, though? Well, Did it not look like he was. It looked like he was at it last night in a way that I hadn't seen him. And I, and then, but then went off a cliff. Then there was a drop off. Yeah, there was little flashes. I agree that there was little flashes from Fabinho of the old Fabinho. There was times where you know he was winning the ball. He was even going past a couple of players and things like that. And you thought, well, there's the Fabinho we know and love. The problem is he can't sustain it, and he definitely can't sustain it across 90 minutes. It's a problem for Henderson as well. And I thought as well, you know, for all the praise for Bajcetic, um he's only 18 years old. He looks a fantastic player, but it showed up last night that he was 18 years old. It showed up last night that he was playing against someone like Modric, who's nearly 20 years his senior. And, you know, there's a time there where, you know, he's won the ball in midfield, but then he immediately gives it away. It leads to a Madrid goal. On one of the other goals, you know, Modric is, is walking through the midfield and Bajcetic is trying to get at him. Now, I think even if it was me, and I'm nowhere near that level of a football, I think I would have brought Modric down. Yeah. I think, you know, that was the thing to do <laughs> in that moment. In. Yeah. And take the book and absolutely. And he didn't do that. And again, that's just that little bit of experience that's missing. Um, and, the, you know... It's a, it was a strange game. You know, it's a strange game to even look back on because, you know, anyone who's talking about something like this, you'd always go back and you you take a look at the stats. And I think if you hadn't been the game and you hadn't watched the game and you look at the stats, you go, it looks like Liverpool have done all right. You know, they, they've carved out opportunities. They've, they've, they've had shots on target. They've had quality shots as well in terms of, you know, expected goals and things like that. But Liverpool were in it. Second half, you know, it was all about sort of, you know, the quality of Madrid, the nous of Madrid, the brains of Madrid, and Liverpool looked like a team lost. I think the the thing that really brings it home for you, I, like, so Liverpool have obviously completely regenerated their, their front line with the two signings, and everybody's like, ah, oh, they actually needed the help in midfield. And it's, that's true, they did need the help in midfield, but they also needed the help in the forward line you can't stop. You have to keep regenerating. And when you look at yeah. Real Madrid, you know, over the last decade, they've had a midfield trio who have won five Champions Leagues in Casemiro, Cruz and, and Modric. And yet, two of those three weren't playing last night. Obviously, we know Casemiro's at Man United and Tony Kroos comes off for the last three or four minutes. But it didn't matter because they have constantly, every year, they've bought another midfielder who can learn from those and work with those and... You know, Camavinga is only 20 and it looks like he could be there for another decade. Chimini wasn't playing last night. Yeah. Um, that's the bit where, for all of Liverpool's strength, the bit that got them over the line in the first place was buying the world-class players, a world-class goalkeeper and a most expensive centre-back that they could get who both had a massive impact on the team. But then they went away from that a bit and they got fortunate in that a lot of the players they bought really worked out. But that luck seems to have run out and that seems to be the difference between being you know, at Real Madrid's level and where Liverpool are at the moment. Yeah, it does seem that, you know, it's it's come home to roost a little bit in terms of how Liverpool buy players and what they do in the transfer market. And, you know, we heard from the 
the lesser spotted John Henry about sort of you know the the idea of of selling the club, and it now appears that that's not going to be the case, and maybe a minor investor comes in. Um, he appears to sort of exude some kind of confidence around that, and that there will be money to spend. But we've heard that before, um, and it's not been the case. And you know. Liverpool were, were running around in the bargain basement looking for a, a centre-half during the COVID season. Um, we saw something similar with a midfielder and Liverpool signing Artur, who you know, we've seen in a minor competition for, I think it's 14 minutes or something like that, and that's it. Um, a lot of people could have told Liverpool, I'm sure, that he'd, he'd had his worries with, with injuries and you might not see him on the pitch. So that that's not good enough for, for a, a club trying to compete at an elite, at an elite level. Um, and sometimes, of course, we see emotion spill over with Jürgen. Sometimes we see him, you know, come close to the truth. But I think we all know anyone who, who talks in football, writes about football, works around football, that, you know, managers are almost politicians and they don't really tell you what goes on behind the scenes. And I'm sure if he could get into Jürgen's smoke-filled room and and have a true conversation with him about what he thinks about the whole situation, I'm sure he'd tell you that he doesn't think he's had the backing of the owners in recent years, and that needs to change very, very soon. I know Liverpool have been missing some players. You mentioned Artur and Luis Diaz, uh, Thiago is injured as yeah. well. Canate, I suppose, Gareth, is, is, is the big one. And, yeah, and you look definitely. at that right, like that right-hand side of that defence... They knew what they were going to come up against against Vinicius. He is an unbelievable footballer. But were Trent Alexander-Arnold and, and Joe Gomez a little bit, I guess, naive last night in how they dealt with him? I think so. Yeah, I think that's entirely fair. And Joe Gomez in particular had an absolute nightmare. I think his, his fingerprints are at the scene of the crime for every single goal. Um, and he's obviously hooked on 70-odd minutes. Um, he looked a broken man when he left the pitch. Um, he, he gives away... The free kick that leads to um, Real Madrid's third. Uh, he's obviously unfortunate with the one that comes off him, but you know, at other moments in the game, they're just drifting past him. Um, he can obviously, you know, people are pointing saying he can get tighter on Vinicius's uh, goal. I mean, I thought that was a world-class goal personally from inside mm. the stadium. I agree. I, thought, I, I saw the I saw the post-match from Rio Ferdinand going, "Oh, you've got to be more aggressive." And I'm like, uh, I mean, sometimes if everybody was always perfect in every incident, then it would always exactly. be nil all, and we'd not be watching any of this because we'd be bored senseless. Like, you know, sometimes world-class player does world-class thing right in the bottom corner. You're like, okay, that's pretty good. Fair enough. Yeah, exactly that. I, I think with Gomez, that you know, there's a bit of a worry that. He's not looked great for some time now. Um, what I don't like is when people sort of wind back and start, you know, using hindsight and saying, "Well, why was he given a new contract?" Well, well, he was given a new contract because not not so long ago, he was the preferred partner for Virgil Van Dijk in a very good team. He was tipped to be, you know, one of the best centre halves in England and all the rest of it. So he, he's dropped off a cliff, but he's not alone in that. Um, a lot of them have all at the same time, and and that's one of the biggest problems that Liverpool face at the moment. You know, they've still got. An opportunity to push for the for for top four, um, you'd have to say that this tie is done and dusted. Even with you know away goals now not being a thing, the idea that Liverpool go to the Bernabeu and score at least three and don't concede any, you can't really see that. I mean that would be you know above Istanbul and above Barcelona in terms of miracle comebacks. I think so. I'm sure they'll go there and and do the bit, but you really can't see Liverpool getting through. So it's all going to be about the league, about trying to get top four, but. How much does this knock the stuffing out of them now? Um, they've got to recover quickly. They've got Crystal Palace at the weekend, quickly followed by Wolves, Man United and Bournemouth before they play Real Madrid again. Um, and, you know, things could go wrong fast, but equally, you know, they can turn it around. I mean, 
that that first 15 20 minutes you know they score a goal of quality they're obviously gifted another one but you know that intensity was there and you know you mentioned before about you know Fabinho looking like his old self in the in in the, in that time you know Henderson was okay and that they all were but then very quickly you know the confidence is clearly fragile uh, physically can enough of the good players do 90 minutes uh, we're getting players back as well, but I thought even that, you know, we've all been bigging that up. And of course you do, it's what you do as a supporter. But you saw when Firmino and Jota came on that they looked rusty, that they were miscontrolling balls in the box, that ordinarily they would bring down and get a shot off and things like that. So, you know, it's not quite the stick and plaster that we need yet. We've got to play them back into form. And the problem is we haven't, we, you know, we're, we're running out of missteps really. You know, we can't afford many more. Liverpool... You know, we're good enough to be close to perfect to be getting top four this season. Yeah, they need title-winning form, really. Yeah. I mean, we say that, but there's a bit of a swoon happening at Newcastle at the moment. If, for example, they were to lose the cup final at the weekend, or maybe if they were to win the cup final at the weekend, yeah. either way, there could be a hangover from that. So, um, flaky Spurs, not guaranteeing that they're going to finish in the top four either. So, there's 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 a window of opportunity for them when it comes to that but all of a sudden we're talking about that being the whole season from Liverpool's perspective um, one of our commenters says yesterday morning Real were a poorer team than last season but now they're outstanding Powell 74 I guess that is the point though um, we, we were talking about their league form with uh, Graham Hunter last week and it's not great but they did go away and win a world club championship in Morocco and they did seem to have like good bonding time and then they come back and all of a sudden it's the last 16 of the Champions League and this is their tournament so it's not yeah. massively surprising that they're able to pull out a top quality performance and I'm not guaranteeing that they're going to go and win the tournament after this but you wouldn't be in any way surprised if they were to play eight more good games this season finish second in the Liga and at the end of the year as is traditional you know at the end of the season Real Madrid pick up the Champions League they shown last night, didn't they, that they've got enough quality to do that. They've got they've got players there that can hurt any side in the world. Um, you know, and, and amazing in a way to see sort of Modric and Benzema at thirty seven and thirty five still being at the level they are. You know, Benzema looks like he's just playing football with a cigar in his mouth, and you know the one that he puts in the top corner where he's he's gone around Allison. There's two players on the line. You know, despite all that, you knew where it was ending up. You know, as you as you were watching it unfold, he's absolute class, Modric as well. So yeah, you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't bank against him. And and I wasn't one, to be honest. That was like, I, I thought in a home leg at Anfield, I knew all the stuff that we saw unfold would unfold. I knew the atmosphere would be brilliant. I knew the fans would be up for it. I knew Liverpool would start with that intensity, and I hoped that that would be enough. Um, but I wasn't com- completely convinced about this idea that you know Madrid was shot. They'd only lost five games all season, all comps. Liverpool, as I say, had lost ten, um, and and that sort of that tells you where the two clubs are at. So it was always a bit of a. I mean, I looked at the odds before the game, and Liverpool were slight favourites to win at Anfield, but Madrid were the favourites to go through, um, and I think that sort of told you where where the two clubs were at and it, it, it's unfolded in the worst way possible for Liverpool obviously I know we focus on the, the Liverpool midfield a lot Gareth you know when they lose games but on BT last night I think it was Stephen Gerrard making the point that Real just have players who can take the sting out of the game and uh, in the middle of the park and Camavinga being one of them Modric yeah. obviously can do that is that what Liverpool need because in years gone by when they were having all that success like Henderson could do that players in the middle were, were constantly doing that for Liverpool but it, they just cannot take the sting out of a game at the, at, at the moment because a 2-0 up that's exactly what they needed. 
Yeah, and that is that is a problem, and that's been a long term problem. I think the idea of bringing in Thiago was was to to do exactly that. I remember Pep Linders um, talking a couple of seasons back about sort of a plan B, if you like, because there was talk about Liverpool being found out, and he was saying, "Well, we've got something up our sleeves." Well, when you put two and two together about what the time of that interview and what followed, it appeared to be that. The plan was Thiago, um, someone who can put the foot on the ball, take the sting out of a game, that kind of thing. But, you know, Thiago's been in the side. He's, he's been at the scene of the crime for some of these defeats as well, unfortunately. So he, this season, he's not he's, he's not proven to be the answer either. Um, I mean, we, we, we keep going back and every time I, I come on here to talk about it, you know, the fact that Liverpool played every possible game last season, you know, I know Klopp said in his press conference, you know, how, well, when are we going to stop referencing that? But it, it appears to be one of the many problems. You know, that's a problem, fatigue, mental and physically. The, the injuries are a problem. We mentioned transfers earlier and that sort of Liverpool have knocked off in terms of going for top players and the missing out on players. And maybe, you know, they, we don't, we'll, we'll never fully know what got said about transfers and budgets and things like that but it does seem a little bit like well you want to chew a many but you didn't get them there wasn't a plan B for a midfielder well we'll just go and buy a forward then but we still need that midfielder and you know what I what, what was telling for me watching that from the stands yesterday was I don't I absolutely do not want to get stuck into Bajetic at all I think he's done brilliantly to come in at that age and, and perform at the level he has what was more telling for me was there was Naby Keita running up and down the, the touchline. You paid an awful lot of money for him. He's not paid it back and he's going to leave for Nottingham in the summer alongside probably Milner, probably Oxlade-Chamberlain. A lot of money needs to be spent on that Liverpool midfield this summer. So it's all eyes on the owners. There was a, a period of time where Liverpool's dealing in the transfer window was so brilliant that they were getting money for players who were essentially squad players and Whatever happened over the last 18 months or maybe even three seasons, they haven't been able to recoup that money. And as a result, mm-hmm. the investment has been massive headline investment, but not enough of the Andy Robertsons coming through who are able to influence the team. And I, look, it's obviously a complicated, it's a jigsaw of reasons why last night happened. Um, I think that the main thing is that the confidence and the brittleness and um, uh, that ultimately end up coming back a bit to, to Klopp he knew what resources he had at the start of the season and it's fair to say that they've been underperforming in these games so um, he keeps saying he has the, the hunger for the rebuild the, the, the manic smile as the third fourth and fifth goals go in last night mm-hmm. it, it doesn't change and I, I'm sure it, it, it'll be his greatest achievement if he, if he manages to get them back to win a title or to, to win a Champions League. So what's your instinct, Gareth? Do you think he is here for the medium term at least? I think so, yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, he has got the absolute faith and trust of the owners. The owners don't appear to be going anywhere, as I said before. I think the majority of fans, you know, despite what you may hear on phone-ins, etc., are right behind Klopp as well. I think there's a recognition all around that, you know, the team obviously needs rebuilding, there's there's money needs spending and that, you know, there's going to be a little bit of a period of transition. But, you know, I, for one, I'm right behind the manager. I think he'll stay. He's the man I want there to do a rebuild. I think if you get someone else in, you're talking about not just one person, but a whole team of people. Um, and then and then you have the whole dynamic of well what what players who are at the club get on with the new manager and what players don't and that can make a transition even worse. I'd be sticking with him and I think he wants to stick with him. All right, Gareth, great to have you with us this morning. Thanks a million. Cheers, lads. OTB AM.
with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. 